0: It's telling people not to come when it's busy. There's a reason why people come when it's busy is because that's the time everyone likes to come. It's convenient. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. And welcome to episode 439 of Brews News Week, recorded on Thursday, the 12th of October, 2023. I'm Matt Kirkegaard, and with me is my good friend, Ian Watson. We are without Sabrina Kunz this week, who is actually without her voice. So uh, that, we, we've had enough audio quality issues without having a good quality of someone without a voice. So uh, Ian, welcome back. Hey, Matt. How are you going? Not too bad. Have you been uh, October
0: festering? Uh, I actually haven't this year so far. Um, We have an Oktoberfest on at the brewery this weekend, Um, uh, a little late Oktoberfest. Uh, I was actually just kegging off today uh, the fest beer. Um, But I haven't done any really festing until this point myself yet. How about, how about you?
1: No, no, I haven't, because uh, well, the Brisbane Oktoberfest that I normally have a bit of an involvement in didn't run this year. The, the, the family uh, decided that the, the, the risks were too great, which is a shame because it was a huge Oktoberfest. Um, but yeah, it's, it's only that I've suddenly seen a social media full of uh, posts about it that I even uh, thought about it. So i might have to go out and find myself a nice uh, Weinstein Pilsner or something like that to, uh, to, to enjoy.
0: Yeah, I was really disappointed that one wasn't happening in Brisbane this year because l- last year, strangely, was the very first year I ever went to it and joined yourself there in the VIP table section area there. And thought that was, Rocky and I had such a, a blast at it, that we had great big plans. Like, see, okay, let's try and book out like all the 10 tables across this row here and get a heap of, you know, Brisbane beer yep. industry people together and let's just have a great big party there. And then we're just devastated. Uh, we found out earlier in the year that it wasn't happening this year, um as it was it was a great from from that one time I attended, it was a fantastic event.
1: Yeah, it was much more than just the St. Patrick's Day, you know, where you you, you put on a silly green hat and say that you're celebrating it really. It, well, it was a German family, and they were really making it as authentic and traditional as they could while still making provision for you know Australian cultural and ex- culture and expectations. So uh, yeah, it's sadly missed. Very much. Anyway, uh, not too much. uh, Well, I mean, there's important news, but not too much uh, news around this week. You know, obviously, there's always a lot of promotional content around. um, But the very sad news yesterday uh, landed that Melbourne's Bad Shepherd uh, Brewing uh, entered voluntary administration. The owners of Bad Shepherd Brewing have announced a decision to appoint an administrator to help facilitate a financial restructuring of the business. Owners Derek and Didi Hales. Uh, sorry, DT have appointed DBA Advisory as administrator, noting the company is supporting uh, the continued operation of the business. Bad Shepherd's employees and customers should consider it as business as usual, the company said via a media statement. There will be no impact to ongoing production and hospitality operations as a result of this appointment. The Hale said they've taken this step to deal with the financial losses the business has faced over the last few years from COVID-19 and lockdowns and are working with the administrator on a deed of company arrangement proposal to provide the framework for the structuring of the business. So, uh, yeah, um, I mean, with with, with stories like this, there's not too much that they've announced it. Um, Having spoken to them, it sounds like they are very hopeful of trading through and, uh, you know, just... Hopefully, with the uh, help of uh, you know creditors, um, can find a way forward because um, you know again they're two wonderful people. The one uh, the, the, the one thing I found very interesting um, this week that kind of uh, potentially ties in, though I don't know what it applies to. Bad Shepherd, but the ATO. Um, had announced they put out a media release telling businesses that they have to catch up on their um, outstanding tax. Uh, And I'll just read, the ATO, which has been, uh, sorry, this week the Australian Tax Office issued a media release cautioning businesses to engage with their tax and super obligations to avoid having their debts disclosed to credit reporting agencies uh, in a move that could impact uh, many businesses' credit ratings. As the ATO shifts back to business as usual debt collection as of July 2023, it has issued notices of intent to disclose business tax debts to more than 22,000 businesses with a tax debt of at least $100,000. That is overdue by more than 90 days, the ATO said in a statement. More than 9,000 businesses are expected to have their debts disclosed this month. Um, ATO Assistant Commissioner G- Gillian Kitto said paying or engaging with the ATO is the only way to stop a business's tax debt becoming visible in credit ratings checks. So the ATO, um, and again, I, I don't know whether this is relevant in the Bad Shepherd case or the nature of their debts, but it is certainly something that in all of the administrations that I've seen, the um, administrators' reports. On uh, the ATO has been, if not the number one creditor, certainly a substantial creditor for all of the businesses as a result of the moratorium on the payment of excise that was supposedly a, you know, business boost or a business assistance um, during COVID, but has now become a bit of a millstone around a number of uh, businesses' neck.
0: Yeah, that was uh, sad news to hear this week, and hopefully they'll be able to um, make arrangements and pull through this. Um, good to hear that they were in a position to, by the sounds of it, I think, Matt, to keep all staff still on for their business as usual. Was that the case?
1: It, it, that sounds like, yeah, it, um, again, they, they didn't say too much, but, you know, obviously in a very small industry and, you know, a lot of industry suppliers um, tend to be the same and it, it sounds like, you know, how would you say, uh, the debts haven't run on for a considerable period of time. Um, so yeah it, it it sounds like uh that the staff are being looked after that the business is trading and uh you know it 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 does have a viable chance of coming out on the other side um subject to the deed of company arrangement.
0: Yeah. Well we'll find out I suppose in a few weeks time when that's um when that's public uh what the position actually is. Uh hopefully it is something that they can they can get through and that um uh is an outcome that's suitable for, for, for all those creditors that they need to make arrangements with?
1: He's hoping. So, uh, I mean, that's, again, that's really the news of the week. There is uh, going to be some news out tomorrow that I'm aware of um, that we can't publish yet. So, uh, one thing that we can talk about, though, is beer can labels because these are regarded these days as the new mini billboard of the beverage industry. They say a lot as an ad- ad- advertisement you can hold in your hand, and the label is a genuine conversation starter. The label is also providing a new voice to designers and artists with a very b- public canvas to present some terrific artworks and some tongue-in-cheek quips. Seriously, To get all of your specs right so your can or bottle looks at its best at all times, call the guys at Rallings Label Stickers and Packaging on 1300 852 235 or email sales at rallyingsprint.com.au to see how they can make your brand sing.
0: I'll just add on to that too, Matt. To to say the above and beyond service that Rallings give, I had Paul come and visit um, on Tuesday just because he was in the area and he heard there were some things about... um, with our setup and what we're looking to 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 do, that he might have had some expertise in, so stopped in just to see how they could help us out. Um, which is pretty good service when you have a, a company that can do that.
1: Nice. There you go. That was and it, well, it was an unpaid endorsement because you don't get paid. So uh, that's right.
0: <laughs> that was a paid advertisement, but an unpaid um endorsement.
1: Ad, unpaid in addendum. Yeah, uh, yeah, and sorry, it was—it probably wasn't our best segue, but, you know, I always feel a little bit off uh, segueing you know, in a humorous way off some very sad news. Um, that's the news of the week. we God, without Sabrina, you know, Sabrina's obviously the, um, the, the millstone around our neck, uh, <laughs> keeping the discussion going, so we're uh, motoring along. But a couple of uh, interesting stories that leapt out that I think have... You know, relevance to uh, a lot of the things that we're talking about, and one that really came out of the blue for me. But it was one of those stories that, having come from absolutely nowhere, just really erupted into my newsfeed and you know my horizon. And that was the the the. I believe it's a drug for. Um, Diabetes, uh, called Zempic, um, but it's also been picked up as a diet uh, drug, um, and it seems to curb cravings for alcohol. And over the last couple of weeks, that is apparently such as the take-up of this drug and such as its reported impacts on cravings for, you know, snacking and also alcohol, that it's apparently had seen a sell-off of. You know, chips and confectionery uh, stocks, as well as um, brewing stocks, which I found absolutely astounding. You know, on top of everything else that the brewing industry is facing, to suddenly have a pill that can uh, effectively take the pleasure—it it, it, takes—it—it it, it mutes the rewards you get from that alcohol um, uh, and, and a lot of other things. Because when my understanding is that when you have chocolate or things like that. Um, one of the things that makes it addictive or makes it, um, you know, the, the the reward over and above the alcohol is the release of the feel-good chemicals that we manufacture ourselves. And uh, a Zempic seems to curb, inhibit that or inhibit the body's response to that, which means that when you have a beer, you're just consuming something that. Offers no reward. Um, and when you, know, when you think a lot of times that you don't often sit down and have six or seven glasses of Coke or six or seven, you know, orange juices, but you will sit down and have six or seven beers. Often that's, uh, my understanding is that the reward that you get from, from doing that over other things. So that was a, yeah just uh, something that I'm going to be watching very, very closely um, because that could have massive repercussions for so many industries.
0: Yeah, it could also be, um, well, repercussions could be a great thing, that for, for people that have um, problems with, with alcohol, um, for being able to curve genuine cravings, um, not just wants. Um, be interesting to see how they go with, um, I haven't read the article, I'd imagine there'd be further trials underway to see its effect on that um, for, with alcohol and for, for assist potentially, I suppose assisting people with um, alcohol dependencies. Um, that does um, bring up uh, some other things that could be involved in that uh, or, or tie in with that. So there was uh, I remember maybe 20 issues ago, there was a drug came out uh, used to do the same thing for nicotine. And to assist people with um, giving up smoking, uh, however, it they quickly found massive side effects because mm. it was suppressing that reward function. Um, it could have an effect and build depression uh, in people because without the I think serotonin is it. I'm not a um, not a medical professional, obviously. Um, it meant that there was very little felt to be very little reward in anything um, and so led some not all users to have um, severe bouts of depression from from taking it which could be an issue for this drug as a whole if it's being used as a weight loss thing or potentially if it's being used as a um, suppressant for desire for, for, for alcohol or for cravings for other things but let's let's see what what comes about it and, and that I don't think I'd be particularly worried about it having an effect on the alcohol industry. Um, itself, except for a positive potential positive effect in helping people that do have problems with alcohol, which is something that as people that do make um, a drug, uh, which is alcohol, we can't forget that beer contains alcohol and is a drug. We do have to know that um, for some people, that's um, not a good thing in any way, shape or form.
1: One hundred percent. Yeah, and I think that's a really good pickup because all of the studies say that. I, th- I think it's it's very early. We don't know what um, there are some negative side effects, including, you know, I, I believe, you know, um, nausea and, and and other things. But again, you know, a diet drug is the holy grail of modern society. You know, when um, weight gain um, and and obesity are such massive problems, uh, and quite often it's self control and we are locked into a battle with, you know, marketing company, marketing driven companies, um, you know, our self-control versus the marketing and the rewards that we get from these foods that if there is a drug that just stops those, um, we're not in a battle with ourselves. So it is a ho- ho- holy grail and, uh, a whole lot of benefits for, as you said, people who, um, you know, abuse food or alcohol or things. Uh, but you know, if, the, the thing that I find interesting is that it's not necessarily a drug targeted at people who want to reduce their consumption of alcohol. But if you are doing it to lose weight generally, if, if a, you know, almost a side effect is that you do lose you know, interest in, in drinking. And one of the quotes from an article from an NPR um, story, uh, one person is quoted saying, before a Zempik, I would consume a whole bottle of wine in an evening without trying real hard along with a bag of chocolates. But with the Zempic, even one beer didn't feel good to me somehow. So, you know, that's, um, you know, yeah. at, at, at a time when potentially people are drinking less or they're drinking differently, um, to have a pill just rob you of your desire for, 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 for beer, that could be, uh, you know, again, that's why I, I just found that astounding that it came out of nowhere in, in my news feed. Normally, these things start... Coming out fairly slowly, but this one just uh, was suddenly everywhere all at once, um, which also raises questions. So, we'll see.
0: Yeah, interesting. That's definitely one to put a um, a bookmark in and see um, see what happens with it over time.
1: Oh, I have done. Um, now, just an interesting one that it's already sparked some interesting discussion in the Radio Brews News Facebook group, um, and. Thank you to the people who joined this week saying Saison. That was uh, nice to hear that we've uh, picked (laughs) up a few listeners this week and using the upgraded uh, uh, thing. Uh,
0: People using the term Saison pleases me immensely.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Um, Now, and again, Yahoo Finance, not necessarily the uh, bastion of very, very serious news, but this, you know, more pop culture, social news, but certainly on our beat, has the rising cost of beer killed the Aussie tradition of shouting mates? Uh, and it says that, you know, the, the, the idea of being with a group of friends um, and one person going off and buying everybody a drink and then that moving around the table um, so everyone has their shout um, has long been part of a tradition. It's often something that you'll read when you read the International Tourist Guides to Australia where they're explaining to people back home um, you know what a shout is and how to participate in it. Um, but a, a publican has said that the shout is almost dead. And he says that it's uh, if you were six mates drinking, funnily enough, they mentioned pints of stone and wood, that's $72 for a round. That's okay if the round is completed and you end up drinking six beers for $72. But we all know how shouts fall apart. Um, The shock factor of how much you're actually spending has made people wary of uh, getting in shouts. But the other thing he said is the move away from shouts has created a problem for publicans. Traffic jams at the bar have increased as groups of solo drinkers line up in single file to order the one drink rather than buying four in one go. Um, Ian, I don't know if you've caught up with the chat, chat group because I've only just put it in today.
0: Yeah, I, have, I haven't I have read the article, but I've seen the responses um, in there and it's quite understandable responses that, yeah, it can be frigging scary uh, getting into shouts nowadays. I generally try to avoid them and have for, for years because it can be unfair on some people if someone's drinking X product and someone's drinking, Y product and the costs of, of, of all of that, um, people leaving, whatever. Um, and I just like to run my own pace too. And, and I'm ready for a drink when I'm ready for a drink. Um, for responsible service of alcohol, I think it's probably a great thing because it does push some people to drink a little quicker and a little harder than they may have um, otherwise done. But certainly also from having spent a lot of time working behind a bar as well, um. Yeah, it is easier for the bar staff if you've got one person coming up and buying five beers than five people coming up and buying one beer. Um, but it probably is something that's from um, the past that is slowly, it will not Will never die, but will slowly um, change because of people's drinking habits, um, because of the fact that there is much more variety of products, not just beer, on offer at a venue nowadays, whereas it used to just be maybe Someone's having a beer, someone's having a white wine. Um, later in the night, maybe they're it on to the Rumbos or something. I don't know. But um, I, I think with the variety on offer now, um, that's it, changed that and the fact that people change what they're drinking during the course of the evening too. They might start on this pale ale and they might move to a stout later and then they might move to something else after that. Um, so we'll probably, we'll see it slowly die out. And yes, certainly it is bloody scary now with the with the, um, the price that a drink at a bar has, has started to become, and that is for a reason, too, that um, uh, drinks have started to become that expensive,
1: yeah. And again, you know, like stories like this are always great for a little bit of fun discussion, you know, and people sharing their own experience. But for me, you know, a lot of what we do on this podcast is look at impacts on the industry and the things that the industry needs to, 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 to navigate, um, and these sorts of changing cultures um, that there's a dozen you know, or more reasons contributing to it, but all of it is part of the, cha- the, the, the changing landscape that brewers have to uh, pursue. You know, I, I grew up and if you went to the pub, um, somebody would, the, 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 the shout was a jug and then everyone would have their glass and you would sort of fill up, but you, you're basically all drinking the same beer. We all celebrate the difference in you know the, the the twenty odd taps, but that fundamentally changes the culture around drinking. And you know, if people are drinking less, or some people moderating and some people aren't, you know, it, it's it's a very very different uh, culture of, of drinking that is just yet another thing that businesses have to adapt to.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I'm I'm like yourself, Matt. I'm the age where um. The shouts when I was young were were in jugs. Um, I'm old enough to remember $5 jugs, (laughs) which is certainly not the case now when (laughs) I'm booking glasses of beer heading to $20.
1: Just another story. This has been one that's been on our to discuss list that we can get to today. Now, this is from the Wine Enthusiast magazine, but... uh, Again, picking up on something that we've talked out a little bit here is alcohol, the new tobacco. Um, You know, and it starts off for most of my adult life, moderate social drinking has been viewed as part of a healthy lifestyle. Indeed, for more than three decades, daily moderate booze intake in America has been defined as two glasses for a man and one for one woman. That may soon change. And in America, they're having a big discussion around um, what the... The health advice you know they're not threatening to limit the amount you can drink but they are looking at the um, the health advice that they issue which is um, two drinks per week is the safe amount um, and the, the article is emblematic of the dramatic shift taking place in our culture um, that we've talked about in in the past but it really does um, you know go on to, to say that there is a there is a very deliberate strategy on behalf of um, you know a lobby to demonise alcohol and alcohol manufacturers in the way that nicotine was. Um, and again, just another of the gathering clouds that the industry faces.
0: Yeah, it certainly does feel as though that's the the push um, and the way that some groups are taking their strategy on dealing with alcohol. Um, and I think is also a sign of why we have to make sure that we all are all being responsible and showing that we are responsible and that, and that we are not like big tobacco, because big tobacco... Um, well, there, actually, there was no small tobacco, uh, certainly not in our lifetime at all. <laughs> yeah. so, but the tobacco industry operated, and there's uh, quite a few good documentaries out there um about it if you're interested in looking um i can't think of the names of them off the, the top of my head um but with the way information was suppressed and with some of the marketing tactics that were done and we must make sure that we are not um doing that and that the beer industry is being a responsible part of the alcohol industry and heeding what we what we see and what we know
1: absolutely and, uh, and you know i look at you know we, we, we've been through it. Go go read the article. It'll be in the show notes. Um, the, the 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 one thing that really leapt out to me, and it it mentioned there was a famous sixty minutes episode where a, a researcher created the idea of the French paradox, how French people can live the lifestyle that they do but stay healthy, and red wine was. Um, held up to be the thing. So suddenly people started consuming red wine as part of a healthy diet. And uh, you know, having gone through all of the uh, you know, challenges and attitudinal, attitudinal adjustments that the industry is facing, um, it finishes by saying, I don't know what the answer is for the drinks industry, but I'm fairly certain that 60 minutes isn't going to save them this time around by renormalizing drinking for Americans. And that's a very real thing. You know, we are going through, quite apart from anything that's happening in the brewing industry itself, we are going through a period of time when you know the swing is against alcohol, um, and it you know it is being seen as being negative, and that's just on top of anything else. So that's uh, a you know, just more concern, uh, really, um, uh, out there.
0: We have to remember too, Matt, that there has been swings against alcohol at other periods in time. Um, yep. You know, not even just in the U.S. with the prohibition, but there was strong temperance movements here in Australia in the um, late 1800s, early, early 1900s. Um, So there has been swings in society's way of, of viewing alcohol over time. One of the things is now that we do have better science um, around it to um, not just be a a thing about drunkenness, um, which we should be concerned about, but about the actual health impacts of, of alcohol too. So it, it, can um, come from a different place nowadays uh, and a more research more intelligent place but not always come from a more research more intelligent place people can take figures and make them um, however they want them to be for whatever cause that they want to to um, to champion um, be um, on both the the positive and the negative of, of that but there has been certainly times where uh, alcohol consumption over history has been up and, and been down as, as well
1: Oh, of course, of course. But again, you know, like when you bring in prohibition, there was a movement against it that was legislative. This one seems to be much more creeping, in terms of demonising, rather than just uh, pro- prohibiting. Um, but you know, I, again, I, and I mean, I'm I'm very mindful. You know, I've been doing a lot of thinking about the the arc that craft brewing's been on, and I remember writing you know 15 16 years ago you know when craft beer was the promise of the future of beer and it was you know um a counter to to, to the big brewing interests um and one of the you know inherent narratives of it was drink let less drink better you know people will spend more for a better quality product and potentially drink less and i don't think that's come to pass and Businesses, you know, I think even at at the smaller end of the uh, market, the brewing industry is a what I think was Chuck Hahn once referred to it as a unit cost game. Um, You know, it's it's high volume, small margin business, and that's a model that isn't going to survive very well. Um, a, a, A consumer switch. To you know, fewer drinking occasions or fewer drinking. You know, it was a business that if you had one beer, you had six, which ties back into the idea of the shout. You know, if you're out with five or six friends, you would stay and have six beers. That's less and less likely. And uh, you know, when we do see the discussion around alcohol and the realization around the beer is that, that alcohol is potentially problematic. If people do drink less, um, you know, less often, uh, less in a sitting, uh, all of those things, beer is a product that's probably going to be overly affected because of the way that the industry has been structured and that the pricing has always been uh, built.
0: Yeah, there's some truth to that, Matt. And look, we are um, to blame in part for that, you know, we've... Very much I like the idea of drink less, drink better. Um, But you're right, it hasn't really all come to pass in that way. In some ways maybe it has, but in a lot of ways it hasn't. But is that the way we've driven the industry through trying to be in constant growth? And if we're all, and so many of us are all, trying to be in constant growth, well, we're creating more that still has to be consumed. And if we're not making inroads, um, if we're growing it, let's just make some random numbers up here. I'm not even sure if this is going to make sense. We're all growing at um, 10% a year um, and we're taking that same volume off the majors. Well, we're not really seeing drink less, drink better. We're just seeing drink differently. Um, mm. And when we're not seeing um, the whole drink better thing, which is where we have the position where we can see an increase in margins to sustain that drinking less.
1: I appreciate how all of this sounds, but these these are all the things you know I, the, the the reason these things are worth talking about in a podcast like this, I think, is because you know there is a narrative that Craft beer is awesome, everyone's drinking it. you know, there, there was a narrative, but there are so many different factors that weigh into any market. Um, that all need to be taken into, in, into account. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit um, when we get to the letter of the week. So we might just even park it there because we'll sort of pick it up again because it was a really interesting article that was paid. Um, this is one that's been in our uh, show notes for a while, which I found really interesting. Speaking of pricing, dynamic surging, an idea to increase beer prices at popular times slammed. Leading business experts have slammed a move seen overseas to introduce surge pricing for, pub, for drinks at pubs. Um, and surge pricing is effectively, it's a little bit like surge pricing for Uber. If it's a really busy time, prices go up, um, you know, presumably because people will still pay it. Um, and, uh, in the UK, there are 800 of the 4,000 pubs owned by the company are either using dynamic pricing in which prices rise at times of increased demand or may use it to help cope with higher staffing and licensing costs. Um, interestingly, like I'd, i put it on my, uh, sorry and I'll just come to the criticism Johannes Dumay a professor of accounting and corporate governance at Macquarie University described it as a bad business strategy putting surge pricing in places like telling people not to come when it's busy he said it is similar to pubs and restaurants or any business charging a credit card fee when paying it is just plain rude and an obvious way of getting more than the advertised price <laughs> I that I agree with him but at the same time having seen exactly those things take place um, I, I, I don't think it's not going to happen as well, particularly if pubs think they can get away with it.
0: Yeah, you know, interesting point there, and like him saying, that it's telling people not to come when it's busy. There's a reason why people come when it's busy is because that's the time everyone likes to come. It's convenient <laughs> Yeah. To, yeah. To party. Um, however, uh, in not exactly this form or maybe not exactly this reasoning, we have seen this before. We've seen this uh, in Australia. I can think of two venues. One that was... On the Sunshine Coast, and then one that was in um, Sydney, and I think it was called World Square. Um, there was uh, like the stock exchange
1: style. That was a little different. That wasn't surge pricing. It was demand, the, like
0: demand on the on the product, which was not necessarily on the time when it was busy, but it was on the um, the demand for a particular product. Uh, which was uh, I loved going to the. I went to the one at World Square. And I got a glass of Shimey off draft for cheaper than if I'd have got a, um, a Tui's or a VB, uh, because the all all the uh, people that were working the local area just wanted a, a VB in there and didn't know what this is chimney beer was. So Chimay was was selling for cheaper than they were, and I got to have a you know a a, a, a triple made by Trappist Buns for for cheaper than their um, um, macro lager.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I remember because there, there was a similar business in Singapore. And it was, I think it was during the late 80s, early 90s, you know, during the uh, greed is good, uh, Wall Street um, era when you know, stock markets were um, fetishized. And uh, yeah, so if, if everyone was drinking Carlton Draft, the price of VB went down, for example, back in those days um, and, and, and vice versa. So it was kind of like you could arbitrage your drinking opportunity, I think was the, uh, the, the way that it was sold.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, not exactly the same, but still fluctuating price on the product being sold. And um, as far as I know, neither of those two are still in operation. Or there's none doing doing that. It would be a, a a hell of a thing to try to try to manage um, in how you've got to have the pricing of your your drinks to make sure that you're getting consistent profit across the across the week, or that you're, you're still profitable across the week and not to discourage people from coming at the time when people want to come because some people would go, well, let's not go when it's busy. Let's go when it's uh, less busy so that we can uh, drink at a better price. But there'll be other people who will just go, no, this is the time that suits us. If it's too dear, then we'll, we're just not going to go at all.
1: Mm. And I guess it's, it's really only going to work in a venue that, as you say, is somewhere that people are willing to pay a premium to be at when it's busy, Um not, you know, (laughs) if you're struggling to get people in the door in the first place, it's probably not going to work for you. But uh, I have actually seen, and I'm not sure whether it's related to the fact that I'd clipped this um, story, but my social media has started to have a couple of um, payment systems, The ad, those ads that you get through for different payment services, and they've been advertising. The point of sale system has the ability to incorporate dynamic pricing. So... If it's not already being used, and uh, if you're seeing it out there, let us know, listeners, because um, I'd be very interested to 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 hear um, how and you know what, what the price variations are as well.
0: It's a little different to surcharges. Um, surcharges um, can have a place where they can be can be needed by a business, um, but yeah, I'd be interested to see if it goes any any further. And I, I certainly don't see value in it myself.
1: Moving on, uh, quick brewery of the week. Uh, Bluestone Yeast, uh, present brewery of the week, and we thank our good friends at Bluestone Yeast. And you can thank them too, because they can supply you yeast uh, pitches from one litre to 100 litres at greater than 2 billion cells per milliliter. Whether you are after a one-off pitch or you're looking for weekly, fortnightly, or monthly deliveries of yeast, Bluestone Yeast has you covered. You can reach out to them at info at bluestoneyeast.com.au or call Derek on 03 8518 3172 and talk all things yeast. And uh, yeah, here's hoping that our listeners are at the end what they need uh, regular pictures of yeast because they're so busy and that they're uh, actively considering dynamic pricing because they are. Um, now, my brewery of the week, I'm going to change pace here a little bit. Uh, not a brewery that I've been to, but. One of the reasons we want to celebrate the breweries of the week is because we love the way that uh, a great brewery, great service, um, and the promise that a brewery provides gets people out and gets people in spending in a great venue. And that's the criteria I applied because one that I've been hearing a lot about um, and makes me want to actually travel to Western Australia. Um, So I'm looking at as soon as I can getting over there. And this is a very big reason for me wanting to get there. And that's Found Lab. Um, We spoke to Steve Finney um, a while ago when we were hearing about their plans. They went awry and uh, they've opened a smaller version that's called uh, Found Lab. And everything I've read about it, um, it got a big write-up last week in the West Australian, um, a brilliant discovery for fans of craft beer and pub grub. Um, Everything I've heard about it um, has just made me want to uh, go and see if it's as good as everyone's saying. A um, lot of focus on the beer, a lot of focus on the food. Knowing uh, Will Irving, uh, Will Irving, and Steve Finney, and their reputations um, for what they've done in the in the sales and the brewing side. You know, it's just one of those ones that I would really like to see. The photos they've seen are very. You know, it's just so eye-catching. There's just so much about it that looks um, and sounds. Terrific! That I'm really keen to get over there, um, and it's you know one of those things that I really want to travel for beer.
0: Yeah, it certainly sounds good, Matt. Um, and Will uh, definitely knows his way around a, a mash paddle and knows one end of a beer glass from from the other. So I'm I'm pretty confident that there'll be uh, beers of exceptional quality um, coming over there. I haven't yet to be to WA at all, so um, they'd all be on my radar over there. But definitely that would um, be high high on the list.
1: Thank you to Bluestone Yeast for sponsoring. uh, Now, moving on. It's another sponsor for the next bit of content, and that is our good friends at Beer Fans. Beer Fans creates new fans for your brand. Start selling outside of the same pool of consumers and increase your size of pie. It's free to feature your beer and merch on the website, with Beer Fans being rewarded only once a new fan is secured for your brand. If you want to put your brand in front of more Beer Fans, reach out to the team via email at join at beerfans.shop or click on the link in the show notes to start your seven minute onboarding process. Um, there's a link in the show notes, so go find out there. And also, if you want to get some uh, great beer merch, they can help you there as well. Now, the letter of the week, and it's really just a you know, heads up of the week. Um, it, Uh, The the shout-out goes to Daniel Ridd, regular um, contributor to the Facebook group, um, as well as contributor to our site, a number of other sites uh, where he writes beer reviews and other things. Um, But it was a really interesting story that Japan is making beer cheaper. Um, And go read the story, because it talks about how the Japanese government taxed beer on the basis of its malt content, which with tax being such a powerful lever um, gradually meant that there were uh, beers made with much lower um, malt. Then they also uh, went, the, the cost cutting attitude uh, went, was further entrenched in the mid 2000s. When, after the finance ministry lifted the rates on Haposhu, alcohol producers returned to the lab and made brews using the likes of peas or corn instead of malt, uh, which fit into an even lower tax bracket called third beer. And the price differential was substantial. A 350ml can of Asahi Super Dry cost 207 yen. Uh, but Hon Kirin, a best selling alternative, is just 160 yen. So, you know. And the, the, the government is changing that. Um, and it, it's one of those funny things that throughout history, when you look at um, how, how tax is levied on different things, I'm trying to think, you know, there was a famous window tax in where glass was taxed. And so people boarded up windows, but there are just throughout history, when a tax is put on something and you can find a way to substitute or change and do exactly the same thing, but save tax. You do that. Um, and you know, so, so you end up not getting the, the, the revenue that you wanted, but you end up completely changing marketplaces. And I just found that fascinating because it it's shows how a small change over a long period of time can have a significant in, uh, impact on, on, on the industry. And whenever I talk about the law of unintended consequences, which I do quite regularly, it's that sort of thing that I think of
0: yeah uh this is cool because it's um a sign that tax systems can be changed um it, it, you know when when governments do realize that um yeah unintended- consequences eventually creep on people work away way around things beer in japan is quite expensive um I've been to Japan a few times, not in a lot of years now uh but I, I remember um on my first trip to Japan going to a Going to buy some, some alcohol before going to um, France Place for a party, and uh, I realized that I could buy a 700 ml bottle of whiskey cheaper than I could buy a six pack of beer. So I went the whiskey that
1: night,
0: wow. um, and it, was, it wasn't was the best whiskey in the world, but it, it was decent enough when you're a poor traveler. Um, and yeah, Hapushu, uh has been the way around that. Uh, I remember on my last trip, uh, which was quite a while ago. Uh, there was a beer out, I believe it was from some Tory. Now I'm trying to remember, and it was actually only contained one percent malt, um, so very, very little. Um, in the way, some of the hop I don't mind. The article said they go from average to awful, but some <laughs> were, were 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 okay for macro, uh, uh, macro simple everyday beer. Though they, they were they were good at what they were. Um, certainly, there are some that are. are, are pretty poor but that was their way of of getting around that interestingly um things like this over time can you know that made another category of beer but it made a category of beer that was still trying to be cheap generic beer as such um there have been other many other taxes and ways that people have gotten around things in the beer world and that has led to some interesting changes such as um at one point in time uh, Belgian breweries were taxed based on the size of their mash and or, or lauter ton. And so that is what many believe led to large amounts of candies being used in um, Belgian beer was uh, oh, wow. uh, to increase uh, brew length and, and gravity whilst um, uh, uh, getting around taxation um, systems. And then that had a happy thing because uh, if we were to go back um, hundred and twenty hundred uh, and twenty. 150 years. Uh, you know, we might know that Belgium has a very long and proud and wonderful brewing history, but the beer that we drink now from there, um, they're the also great adapters, and the beer that we drink now is largely quite different from the beers then, which were probably uh, a lot richer and a lot less uh, attenuated than, than what they are now. And, and good attenuation is a key part of Belgian beers and what makes some of them so. Highly drinkability has that that real drinkability to it, and that probably would not have come about if there hadn't been um, the de-tax, taxation that was varied on the size of your mash or of and or ladle vessel. And so the use of, of sugar to overcome that, which helped keep the beers nice and nice and dry. Okay,
1: um, there you go. That <laughs> and that's a great example of how just these little changes. And in in Australia, the most powerful way is. Our volumetric excise that gives breaks based on lower alcohol is one of the reasons that Australia has the largest mid-strength market in the world. Um, and you know some of the the big IPAs and uh, things never took off. You know pale ales were more of a sweet spot than IPAs um, at price point, and then mid-strength between that and drink driving, um, fundamentally created a, a very different drinking market than anywhere else in the world. So, uh, yeah. So thank you, Daniel Ridd, for, for sharing that. I, I found that fascinating. Mate, was there anything that caught your eye this week?
0: No, pretty well. those. Particularly that, that, that one that we just went over then really, really did catch my attention. It's a really good read um, into the Japanese beer market and, yeah, the way that taxation can... Um, can affect things, and um, yeah, that that, got, that immediately got my mind thinking over those things that we we just went over, and yeah, yeah, particularly like in Australia, the, um, how that shaped um, uh, mid-strength beer, and even how it shaped um, uh, the general when we started brewing American pale ales here in Australia, um, and like Sierra Nevada, I think is like five point six percent alcohol, whereas the probably you'll find the average um, Australian-made American-style pale ale is is probably some, so 5% because it works in with our taxation system and it can adapt and evolve things um, over time. Um, but no, that, that was probably the one that the, the article that caught my, my mind um, the most this week.
1: I'm just trying to think. There, there was another one and it was some nautical one where it was that ships were taxed on their sail area or something like that. And it you know, leads to massive design changes um, longer term, which isn't the, the, the government creates a tax to raise revenue, but doesn't end up raising revenue, but creates fundamental changes as people try and avoid the tax um, legitimately. So uh, yeah, anyway. Well,
0: there was also the one too, I'm sure there's, um, we have a listener um, uh, uh, from from Amsterdam or that grew up in Amsterdam or, or a Dutch listener, um, trying to remember 20 something years to... When it was explained to me, the size of the doorways in Amsterdam was to do with uh, taxation, and that's why there was small doorways. And then a very large window um, up on the story above that you could you'd ship your furniture in and out through the window um, as a way of avoiding the the tax when the building was built. Um, which I might have that totally ask about face, but it was it was something like that that changed the architecture of of um, of, of Amsterdam uh, homes.
1: That actually, yeah, that actually. Um, I remember hearing something else. Yeah, those, and they've all got that window at the top. Um, yeah. Oh no, the, the houses were so narrow. I think it was, if if I remember the story well, that houses were so narrow because they were taxed on their frontage.
0: That might that might that, that might be it. Yeah, and so it was made it difficult to remove furniture in and out. So then there was the large window, and with the little crane, I think, put up the top to, to get around that.
1: In the 1700s, I'm just having a quick look at, I just Googled strange. In the 1700s, England placed a tax on bricks. Builders soon realised that they could use bigger bricks and thus fewer bricks and pay less tax. Not having learned, they also, England imposed a tax on printed wallpaper. Builders avoided the tax by hanging plain wallpaper and then just painting patterns on the walls. Uh, England introduced a tax on hats in 1784. To avoid the tax, hat makers stopped calling their creations hats. Uh, to tax, to a tax on any headgear, and any, the tax was repealed. All sorts of uh, things. Um, so yeah, whatever you try and tax, people will try and find a way around it. So anyway, great, great story, and uh, yeah, always an interesting discussion. Um, well, that's. Well, we've ended up still getting the 50 minutes, so it's not exactly a lightweight. Hopefully, you've enjoyed this conversation. Um, we wrapped up a week of news ages ago, and we've just had some interesting discussion about other news. Your hosts have been me, Matt Kierkegaard, and once again, Ian Watson. Uh, hopefully, now I will be away next week. Hopefully, Sabrina will be here. Ian will be here. And uh, I'm not sure who the mystery third guest while I'm in Vietnam at uh, Bruasia. So I'm looking forward to uh, listening to that podcast as I make my way home. Um, the show is produced and edited by joe helder we thank cry malt Rawlings, label stickers and packaging bluestone yeast and beer fans for their support in making this episode possible and as always you the listeners who participate either by emailing us sending us don't quote me on that texts, or joining the very public discussion on our radio Brews news facebook group we look forward to joining you again next week with beer as a conversation and then uh, also this time next week with Brews news week